All right, we're going to get into the Word of God now. Would you turn to the book of Proverbs this morning? I mentioned that's where we were going. We're going to get to the book of Proverbs, and we're looking at chapter number one. This here, uh, we're going to look at the first nine verses. Uh, when I was looking some, uh, really, a couple months ago, I was contemplating what would be the next course of study uh, for Thursday night. I still don't have a definite on what that's going to be. Uh, we've kind of been hitting some how-tos, and I uh, don't know when I'll get into the next book. book. Uh, I like to study a particular book of the Bible on Thursday nights and just haven't been given direction yet. But somebody recommended Proverbs. They said, why don't we study the book of Proverbs? And I haven't had liberty to do that, although it seems like I have been directed towards Proverbs uh, a number of times over the last uh, couple of months in, in our regular Sunday services or such uh, that the Lord's just fed me from the book, and so I've shared it with you. Today, uh, we're going to look at what I've titled the purpose of Proverbs. The first nine verses uh, gives to us both an introduction to the book as well as the purpose that the book was written, and it points out some of the uh, profit that is found, some of the, the blessing that can be had because of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to dive into those things uh, this morning here. Proverbs, uh, these little tidbits of wisdom, I shared some of the practical things that people say today, these short bits of information that really hold a lot of weight and uh, according to the book of 1 Kings, Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. And God has uh, divinely inspired for us or kept for us uh, 915 of those in this book that is titled Proverbs. Now, I hope that this morning you are going to engage your brain. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching today. Uh, we're going to, a little bit, I've got to give you some facts. I've got to give you a little bit of uh, groundwork and I'm not sure how much preaching I'm going to get to do, but I think this is very important. I think it's needed, uh, but how it's going to come across may be a little bit more, maybe you might look at it like a Sunday school class and, and maybe a little less dynamic from what Sunday morning may normally be. And so I'm encouraging you to please engage your brain, uh, get out a pen and be prepared to take some, some notes, maybe to make some marks in your Bible. I think you'll learn some things this morning. I think there'll be something that'll be beneficial to you, that will help you. And so please, uh, you know, avail yourself of it. Don't put your mind in neutral and, uh, you know, in 35 minutes or whenever uh, we get done, uh, you know, you'll be walking out saying, well, what, what really was that all about? I think there's a lot of meat here, but you're going to have to listen to get it. The book of Proverbs, the instructions given to us on these pages will lead you to make wise choices. Wise choices will lead to successful living. This direction that's given to us is the kind of life that is the happiest life. It's a life filled with the greatest amount of joy, a life in accordance with the word of God. We want to see here, first of all, and uh, we didn't read these verses because of time, but we're going to read each one as we walk through this and learn what it is teaching to us here. So we see, first of all, in verse number one, the person, the person that wrote this book that uh, has given us these thoughts. First of all, obviously, it's the Proverbs of Solomon. He's the author of the book. There's, that's not up for debate or question. It's given to us right here. But a couple notable things are said about this man First of all, he's the son of a king, the son of David, who was, in fact, a king. You know, let me just pause for a second and say, parents, you have no idea what God's going to do with your children. 
the scope and breadth of what God may want to accomplish with them could go far beyond what you in your own heart and mind think they're capable of. You in your mind, sometimes when they're young, you think this poor child would be lucky to make it to a teenager, amen? <laughs> I mean, you wonder if he's ever going to, my parent, my mom always said, you boys, if you guys live to be 18, I'll be praising God, you know? Uh, don't know why she would say something like that, but that's what she said, and uh, if you were in Sunday school, you have a little bit of a picture uh, as to why uh, that, don't have time to tell that story again, but uh, we did some crazy things growing up, and uh, God protected us, amen. But what I'm saying is, parents, you don't know what God's going to do with your young people. The Bible says that a, a prophet is without honor in his own country. And even talking about Jesus Christ, people that knew him as a boy looked at him and said, oh, he's just a boy. Oh, look, he's nothing really special. There's nothing impressive or amazing about him. And you may look at your son or daughter that way, but I want you to know that you see them through the eyes of God and God could make a king out of them. God could do something amazing and fantastic with them beyond anything that you could ask or think if you just trust God and let God have his way in their life. You and I have the privilege to develop them or to disable them as they're growing up. The fact of the matter is, is God can only use them to the extent in which they have been prepared or enabled to be used. And we have the privilege as they're growing up to give them as many skills and abilities and qualities and character in their life that will make them a usable tool for God. Amen? Now, you can do the opposite. You can be a careless, disengaged parent and not adequately prepare them for life or for what God wants them to do. You have a responsibility here. You see, David did some dumb things as a father. We know that as you study the life of Absalom. But he also did some good things. Here we're, we're talking about somebody that the Bible says is the wisest man that ever lived. And you say, well, pastor... Uh, God gave Solomon that wisdom. That was imputed, a special gift from God. You're right. But think about this. What kind of character did that young man have to have when God looked at him and said, you can choose whatever you want. What would you like to have? And that young boy said, you know what? I want wisdom. You see, there was something already in the heart of this young man, Solomon, before God gave him the imputed wisdom from God that helped him to do all of what he did. There was some character instilled in him. There was some wisdom instilled in him because he had a daddy that walked in wisdom. You could turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 18, I believe, and I think four times in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18, it might be 2 Samuel, but it says four times there that David behaved himself wisely. Four times throughout that chapter says David behaved himself wisely. Where did Solomon learn how to get wisdom? His dad who behaved himself wisely. What I'm saying is parents you don't know what God's going to do. Let's prepare them adequately. Let's give them all that we can. So we see here that this young man he was not only the son of a king but he became the king of Israel. He became a king. With wisdom, he became a great king. If you're interested in leadership or would like to uh, learn about how to be a good leader, you could just study the word king all through the book of Proverbs. Look at the word king and see what it says about leadership. You can learn a lot there. So we see here the introduction to the person who wrote this. Now, the heart of this message this morning is really going to be in these next 
four verses here, verse 2 through 6, uh, five verses, we see several things. I want you to, if you have a pen and, and you're willing to uh, mark in your Bible, I want you to note that the purpose is given to us here. We see in verse number 2, he says, to know wisdom and instruction. Two, perceive the words of understanding. Six times in these verses, the word two is used. The word two here is literally to for the purpose of. This morning, I came in here and I plugged the extension cord in, the wall right here, to turn the lights on. For the purpose of lighting the trees, I plugged the cord in. It was to turn the lights on. That's why I did that. And Solomon is telling us right here, uh, he six times uses the word to, which means for the purpose of. He says, I wrote this. The purpose that I wrote this, the purpose that this has been shared and preserved for you is for these reasons. There are six of them here. Maybe you would want to circle the word to, all six of those, just to make note to. And we'll talk about each of these. He says to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Here is the purpose given to us. First of all, we see the first one here is to know wisdom. To know wisdom. He clearly repeats this over and over again, but you know, we need wisdom. He has written here that the goal is to impart wisdom to you and I, and you and I need wisdom for our everyday life. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse number 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I don't know where you're at or how you feel this morning, but I know that many times in my life, and probably not as often as should have been, but I have felt the lack of wisdom that I had. I have felt the need for more wisdom and the desire to have more wisdom. Well, God said, it's there, it's available. If you, any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 6, the Bible says, For the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord giveth wisdom. So let me do a little bit of teaching here. Wisdom, what, what is wisdom? There's a lot of definitions that are out there. You could look it up in, in uh, any one of the dictionaries, but uh, I would like to define it this way, to see as God sees and to act as God would act. Wisdom. Wisdom is to see as God would see and to act as God would act. That's a practical way of stating what is given to us in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 6. Look in Proverbs 2, 6. It's just over the page there. He says, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. Those three things are given to us right there in one verse. We see knowledge, beloved, is the accumulation of facts. Knowledge. You can get a lot of knowledge and have a lot of knowledge but not have much wisdom yet. 
You see, knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Understanding is the appreciation of those facts. Coming to the place where you can appreciate and realize what it is that you've learned. And wisdom is the application of those facts. Now, if you've never heard that before, it would be worth noting. It would be worth writing it down because you won't remember it. But that, that is very definitively in a great description of what we're talking about here, the acquisition or the gaining of wisdom begins by gaining knowledge, the accumulation of facts, by getting understanding, the appreciation of those facts, and then wisdom, which is the application of those facts. We could say it like this, wisdom is the right use of facts. Wisdom is the right use of facts. You know, I may know how to pick a lock. Now, I don't, just so you know. But let's say I did know how to pick a lock. Okay. Wisdom is when Brother Hunt locks his keys in his car, I say, oh, don't worry. I have some knowledge and some understanding. I can get into your car for you and help you out. Okay. But that's right use of the knowledge and understanding that I have. But let's say I found out that uh, Bob Gamble doesn't like banks. I really shouldn't say this because I could end up in trouble. Now, he's keeping all his money in his house, you know. And, of course, he doesn't have any money anyway. So, uh, But let's say he's keeping all of his money in his house. And so I know how to pick locks. And so I find out when they're taking their dogs on a walk. And believe me, you want the dogs out of the house, believe me. <laughs> and uh, I, I, the problem is they got several, they leave home, so I couldn't do that. But anyways, you, I go and I pick a lock and break into his house. That would be a wrong use of the, of the knowledge and the understanding. So wisdom really is the right use of facts. The Bible is very clear that, beloved, wisdom is more valuable than anything else. In Proverbs 8, verse number 11, he says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. He said, wisdom is better than rubies. Wisdom is more desirable than all the other things you think you want, all the other things you think you need. Boy, if you had wisdom, it would solve a lot of your problems. If you had wisdom, you would know how to handle the situation you're going through. If you had wisdom, you could take what God has already given you and be able to use it in such a way that it's multiplied and progressed. Wisdom is what we need. The desire to get more wisdom is good. We need wisdom. But what I want you to understand this morning is that in order to get wisdom, you, you also, there's an aspect in which we have something to do too. We need to get knowledge. You see, wisdom is the application of the acquired knowledge, of the understanding that we have. There's an aspect of something that, there's a part that we have to do. We can't just... Uh, you know, like I did when I went into class uh, in my college days, you know, I walk into class and I was praying for revelation. I was praying that God would give me the answers that I did not know. You know, I, I have not studied for this, so Lord, could you please just help me accidentally or by divine providence, would you just allow me to get the right answer? You know, um, well, God in his grace might help you there, but you know, it would have been a lot better for me to get the knowledge ahead of time. And then I would be able to use it correctly. So we need to acquire some knowledge. You've heard about the specialist that uh, was called in to fix the machine at the, at the shop. 
at the, at the factory, his big, large machine. All the people at the factory had worked on it all they could. Nobody could get this machine going. The specialist comes in, and he walks around the machine, and he hits the switch, and he listens to it for a second. And then he, he goes over to his toolbox. He opens his toolbox and rummages around, pulls out a hammer, walks around the backside of the machine, and, and he whacks it twice. And the machine <clears throat> kicks over and starts taking off. He walks back, puts his toolbox in his hammer, and he walks out the door, and he hands the owner of the business a, a, a bill for $300. The owner goes, what? $300 for, for one tap of a hammer? The guy took, the, took it back, and he rewrote the, the bill, handed it back to him, and the bill said, uh, $5 for tapping the hammer, $295 for knowing where to tap. <laughs> you see, there's some knowledge that you have to have in the front end that God can take it and give you the right use of that knowledge to make it wisdom. It is the application of the facts. What I'm saying here, beloved, is that you've got to accumulate some knowledge. You want to be a good husband? Some of you husbands are praying for some divine revelation on how to do it when it wouldn't hurt you to do a little bit of reading to get some knowledge. It wouldn't hurt you. This, where, this is where wisdom starts, but you know what? There's even some good books on how to be a good husband or how to be a good wife. I wonder, some of you have been married 10, 15, 20 years, I wonder how much knowledge do you have about being a good husband or good wife? How much reading have you done? How many books have you said, you know what, I need to know how to be a good husband. I need to, be. you know what, some of you parents, you think, you think it's just natural that you know how to parent, that you know what to do. Or you say, boy, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need some divine wisdom. I need revelation from God. How about you get some knowledge? How about you get a book on parenting? There's some in the bookstore. You get a book on parenting and read it. It really shouldn't, if you have kids in the home, you really shouldn't go more than about a year or two without reading another book on parenting. Because there's different stages of life and the kids are in different places and, and what you needed for them when they were three, four, and five, and six is different than what you need from them when they're 15, 16, and 17. You, you got to learn some things. What I'm saying is we need wisdom from God, but it starts with the, with the acquiring of knowledge. Are you learning what you need to learn? Here's, I'm going to give you a word that goes along with each one of these things that kind of encapsulates the thought I have them written in the margin of my Bible. Don't know if you have room to do that. But this first one, to know wisdom, what I have put down, the word I put next to that is discipleship. It's the desire to learn. It's to be a student of the word of God. It's to be a disciple, to learn, to acquire, to get as much of the knowledge as you can so God can use it to give you wisdom. Discipleship. We see secondly here is to know instruction. To know instruction, he gives us here. To know this uh, wisdom, to know instruction. This instruction, this word here, the Hebrew word, it properly means chastisement. According to Strong's, that's what it means. It means to teach through discipline. To teach through discipline. Chasten thy son while there is hope. To teach through discipline. That's to, 
to, to, to, what is the actual words there? He says, to know instruction, to teach through discipline. You know, when your son is going to run out into the street and his life is in danger, and you've told him, listen, you can't go beyond the sidewalk here. This is dangerous. You're going to get hurt. A car could run over you. Don't go into the street. And he goes into the street, so you pull him back, and you discipline him to instruct him, to teach him by discipline that you don't go in the street. That's what this is. To teach through warning, restraint, or reproof. Note what J. Vernon McGee said about this. He says this, and I quote, The word instruction appears 26 times in Proverbs. Sometimes that same Hebrew word is translated into the word chasten. Now, that's very interesting. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 13.24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth in him chasteneth him betimes. Here, to chasten actually means to give instruction. Just like this word instruction actually means to chasten. Therefore, the word instruction means to teach by discipline. You know, parent, it would do you very well to remember the reason for discipline is instruction. That would help you. You see, we've got it mixed up. We think the reason for discipline is punishment. Now, there is punishment for doing wrong. That's true. We understand that. But the reason, the motivation, what should be in your heart is not, boy, I'm going to kill this child. Ah, boy, this kid's pulled my last string. I'll tell you what, he's going to get it now. I mean, if you discipline your child in anger, you haven't instructed them on anything other than how angry you can get. But if you remember that the motivation, the reason for discipline is instruction, for teaching, it'll help you to be able to discipline correctly and the child will learn. So the word I want you to put next to this to know instruction, you can put discipline. It's to teach through discipline. That's what it means. Then we see to perceive the words of understanding. To perceive the words of understanding. This is so that men will understand the facts. Understanding is necessary. It's not just enough to acquire the facts. We need to come to an appreciation of those facts. I was telling Justin and Bo last week when I was at the, their college, I visited them in college, and went, we were sitting in their dorm room, and we're just chatting about college and what it was like and different things and uh, how things are there and what they were like when I was in school. And I was talking to them about my algebra, college algebra class. And I said, you know, the teacher got up to the first day and began to teach. And I thought, well, this isn't too bad. And I was taking notes, and the teacher just kept dumping information on me. Kept dumping, I mean, more and more information. And if you would have asked me to give you the instructions of how to solve a particular problem or whatever, I could have given you the, what the teacher said, here's what you do. But if you ask me to apply that, if you said, okay, here's A and B, solve for X, I'm like, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to take what I know, what the instruction I was given way back here, and how does that apply to this? 
It didn't make sense to me. It wasn't computing. It wasn't following through. I took that class for two weeks in, in college. You, if, if you dropped out in the first two weeks, you could do it without any penalty. And I took two weeks of that, and I said, I have had enough of college algebra, <laughs> and I'm out. And so I dropped it. I took it in summer school when I could concentrate on just algebra, and I didn't have all my other classes because my brain doesn't work that good. But anyways, what, what I'm saying is there had to come an appreciation for the facts. Um, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. We've all been there where we've talked to somebody about the Lord. They have heard about Jesus. You go out here in the world, and even if you're, you might even be here this morning in God's house today, and you know that Jesus was the Son of God. That's a fact. You know that in your, in your heart and mind. You know that that's a fact. You know that Jesus was, I mean, we're celebrating Christmas here at the end of the month, and you know that he came and he was born of a virgin. You know the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life and that while he was on earth, he performed many miracles and did magnificent things. I mean, the, the lame were made to walk and the blind to see and he even raised the dead and fed 5,000. You know that. Not only that, you know that he came to his own and his own received him not. And therefore, they, when they called for somebody to be crucified, they could have let him go, but they didn't. They, they freed a criminal and they crucified Jesus. You know that Jesus was crucified. You know the fact, and you know the fact that not only that, on Easter we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was put into a borrowed tomb, and then three days later he rose again. And so th there's many people that know all of these facts, but they haven't come to the place where there's an appreciation of those facts, what it means for them personally that Jesus died for them and he wants to forgive them of their sin, that they have a sin debt they cannot pay, but Jesus died to pay that debt for them. And sometimes it takes two or three or four or five or maybe many times of presenting people with the facts, with the truth of the word of God that Jesus wants to be their savior before they come to the place where they have an appreciation of those facts, where they get an understanding of what that means that their sin debt was paid by a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for them. And all they have to do is accept that debt. That's it. You see, that's the difference between just having some knowledge and being able to appreciate that knowledge, to understand it. And that's what he's saying here in, in this particular thing here. I can't read without these. It's terrible. So the word that I want you to put here next to this is discernment. Discernment. You see, there's an understanding that comes where you begin to know the difference between light and dark. You begin to know the difference between good and evil, between truth and error. It is having common sense. Getting an understanding, to perceive the words of understanding. That is discernment that we need to have. This, he's given us the reasons for why he wrote Proverbs. Now, I'm trying to hurry, and you guys are listening really well. I just hope that I'm not, I'm doing some teaching, and I, and I hope that you're still engaged, that, that we're doing good. All right, so we're going to get, verse number three here, he says, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Receive the instruction of wisdom. This wisdom, the word for wisdom here, the instruction of wisdom, literally means intelligence. 
He's saying, engage your brain. Use some wisdom, use some knowledge, use some understanding, use some intelligence that God has given you. You receive, Use your brain to refuse, receive a few things. And he said the things you need to receive are justice, judgment, and equity. Now this justice is, is right behavior. It's right behavior. And by the way, God is the one who determines what right behavior is. Okay? This world wants to say truth is relative and right is relative. What's right is what's right to you. Am I wrong or is that what the world says? That's it. It's relative. Pretty much whatever you think is right is right. I want you to know that's not the case. You've been lied to if you think that. Jesus, God, is the one that separated light from darkness. And God is the one that separates truth from error. God is the one that establishes what is right and what is wrong. It's not up to me. If it was up to me, there's a lot of people that I would have lost patience with a long time ago. There's a lot of people that I felt were doing wrong, but you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to God. God is the one that determines what's right and wrong. We need to, we're talking about here about right behavior. We need to be able to use our wisdom, the intelligence that God's given us to have right behavior. Then he says judgment, that is right decisions. Judgment, use, having right, making right decisions. The word of God is not only establishes for us what right behavior is, but the word of God establishes us, shows us how to live and exercise and use right decisions. Making right decisions. And then he says equity. That is to do that which is equitable, or you could say fair. To do what is fair and equal. Now you can take all of these things up, and I've summarized them under the word decision. He's saying here to receive the instructions of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Making right decisions. You see, Use the intelligence that God has given you to make right decisions that will lead to right behavior done equitably. That's that verse broken down. Now, the next one here, verse number four and five, they really go together. It's kind of a longer, it's a, it's a statement, but what I want you to see is here he gives four individuals that he's writing to. So we got to break these verses down again. He's given four different people that he's writing this book to. So he says, first of all here, to give subtility to the simple. So we see the simple man. To the young man, knowledge and discretion, the young man, a wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. So you have the simple you have the young, you have the wise, and the man of understanding. Somebody that's simple needs subtility. And those are not synonyms. They're very different. The simple person is somebody that's easily tricked. And what they need is some wisdom to not be easily tricked. They need some wisdom to know how to, can I use this word? And this is what I would put for this is discretion. Discretion. They need some discretion, and subtility is what, is, is what discretion is. It's being able to determine what's right and wrong. You see, he writes that to the simple person. A lot of times the young are simple, but I think there's a progression here. You might be really young, but then there's also the young. 
the young need knowledge here. He says, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. You know, kids don't even know what they don't know. I mean, young people, they feel like they've got the world by the tail and that they know everything, right? Especially they get to them early teen years. They, they know it all, and mom and dad have lost touch with reality. They need to be put into a retirement home, even though they're only 45. I mean, mom and dad are so far gone. I remember when I was a young man thinking, man, my dad is old. <laughs> of course, my dad was completely gray by the time he was 30. So complete head, he looked like Don Wilson when he was 30 years old. <laughs> and so, you know, he maybe looked a little bit older, but I remember thinking he was old. Now I look back and I'm like, man, my dad was only 40. <laughs> you know, he was only 42 or whatever, different times in my life. Yeah, the young people think they've got it all figured out. You know, young people, you can get knowledge several different places. You can get knowledge from books. It's a good place to get knowledge. You can get knowledge from those that God has put into your life to help and instruct and teach you. Those people that have gone before you, they've walked that road. That would include mom and dad. Or you can get knowledge at the School of Hard Knocks. What, the, what mom and dad and your teachers and all that, what they're trying to do is to help you to get knowledge without having to go to the School of Hard Knocks. And if you would listen to them, that would be wise. You see, discretion here, to get knowledge and discretion, discretion is to plan thoughtfully. Young people aren't necessarily considered planners. They don't necessarily think through what they're going to do. You ever ask somebody, young, young kid, why'd you do that? And they go, I don't know. What did you throw that rock through that window for? I don't know. What were you trying to accomplish? I mean, why, why would you do that? I don't know. Young people aren't necessarily known for their thoughtful planning. This is what the young, per young person needs. They need that discretion, thoughtful planning. Then we see the wise man and the man of understanding. You see, there's a progression here of, of experience and expertise. These different men. And we look at the simple person and we say, yeah, boy, they need wisdom. And we look at the young man and we say, yeah, young people, they're pretty foolish sometimes. I mean, the Bible says it. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Uh, yep, they're going to do dumb things. We sure need to help them. And then he nails some of us to the wall. He says, oh, uh, and the wise man too. He says, I wrote this for the wise man too. You see, there's that progression there. And beloved, when you get to the place where you think you've got all the wisdom you need, you better go back to the beginning because you're at the place you need wisdom for sure. None of us have, have apprehended or attained uh, complete knowledge. We, we're not at the place yet where we understand or know it all, and we need wisdom. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. You see, the foolish man will hear and he'll say, oh, you can't tell me anything. You ever met somebody like that? You're like, you can't tell that guy anything. He already knows everything. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Don't you appreciate a wise man like that? that you can share something with, and, and they're like, man, I appreciate that. that thank you. That's going to help me. Because we all, if we want to be wise, we're going to hear and increase in learning. 
Then we see the man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Here's somebody again, a progression, maybe a little bit further along in life, maybe somebody that has a gray head, maybe somebody with many years of experience. You know, some of you here, your, your expertise in your field, you, you have skills in different fields of study. I look around and see the many different uh, areas of study that are represented. You know, it doesn't matter how many years you've, you've been at that. Oh, you've got a lot of skill. You've got a lot of ability. But you can still learn something, can't you? Somebody can still show you how to do something or to improve a method to make something a little bit better or to find a, a more efficient way or a more cost-effective way to accomplish something. You see, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. It would be good for some of us that have been around a little while. It feels funny to be putting me and myself in that category of somebody that's been around a little while. I don't think I'm there yet. But uh, those of you that have been around a little while, it would be good to be able to get some counsel. I know you've been down the road. I know you, you've walked through a lot. And you have a lot of knowledge. But there might be something that you're not seeing. It might be good just to ask some counsel of somebody and say, hey, what do you think about this situation I'm facing right now? Oh, I know you could do it all on your own. And you don't need anybody. But here what, what Solomon's saying is a wise man, wise man is going to say, hey, I, I'm going to get some counsel. That's what he's saying. I'm writing this for these groups. Then we see number six here. He says, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. Did I give you the word for the last one? Yeah, discretion, right? I gave you that. (laughs) So this one here is discovery. Discovery. You see, this understand word right here, to understand a proverb, literally means to separate mentally, to distinguish. To separate mentally, to distinguish. That means to be able to discover. The goal of every believer should be to learn as much as we can about this book. And here's the thing. How many of you have sat in church Not this church, because we know it doesn't happen here. But let's say you were in a church, and the preacher was preaching, and you looked at that, and you said, wow, I had no idea all that was in there. You ever been there? I've been there. You look, and you're like, man, oh, my goodness, that was rich. You know what, beloved? The rich nuggets of God's word are not laying on the surface. It takes somebody that's desirous to get in there and dig, to discover all of what God wants to teach you. The word of God is, is endless in its truths. It's, it's boundless in its instruction. And we can dig into it and dig into it and dig into it and we will never exhaust what's there for us to learn, but we have to have a desire to try and get in and discover it. You've got to discover it. That's what he says here in this verse to Understand a proverb. To understand a proverb takes a little bit of thought. You've got to engage your brain, he says, and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Turn to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. And I'm, I'm almost done. We're going to wrap it up. We're not going to do the third point. Proverbs 25. In verse number two, 
It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. The glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. What we're saying is, how bad do you want to discover the rich and bountiful blessings of the word of God? That's what he's saying you need here if you're going to understand the book of Proverbs. If the Proverbs is going to be opened up to you and you be able to get the wisdom that God wants you to get, it's not something that you're just going to be able to read casually here once a year and, and pass through and say, oh, well, I didn't really get much from that. There's a lot there, but we got to be willing to dig in. we got to be willing to just try and work to discover all that's present there. You see, beloved, you and I know that we need wisdom. We need what God has for us. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, he says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure. You see, there's the idea there of discovery. Going after it, looking for that hidden treasure, trying to get a hold of and glean and get all that God wants you to from his precious word. Now the last point is going to be the prophet, and we'll deal with that tonight. We can keep it all together. The prophet that's found here in the book of Proverbs, we're going to deal with that tonight as we look at verses 7, 8, and 9. But as we close this morning, I'm asking the pianist to come and get ready for the invitation. But as we close this morning, the the goal for this morning really is, do you know that you need wisdom? Is that something you have? A, do you feel that in your heart? Every one of us here should desire wisdom. We should be using every avenue at our disposal to gain it. Wisdom something that's very valuable and necessary for life. Do you believe that? I don't necessarily looking for an answer here, but let me ask you, do you right now feel like you have the wisdom you need for life? The wisdom you need to be the husband or wife or parent or employer or employee or businessman or, or representative, whatever your callings or duties for life are, do you feel that you're adequately prepared for all those things? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13, 14, and 15 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies and all the things that thou canst desire. So, do we need wisdom today? Do you have the wisdom for your life Maybe we just need to ask God to help us to seek after and to get the wisdom. We, we opened with that. If any of you lack wisdom, let him, what? Ask of God. Maybe we just need to be reminded of how important this is for our life and challenge today to go, to go after it, to get the wisdom that we need and to utilize the points that are available to us as I bring this to a conclusion, the piano's going to play just a minute. I just want to ask you, maybe you're here this morning and you have the knowledge about God and God's Son. You know that He died for you. But maybe just this morning, 
the picture that was drawn brought you to the place where you can appreciate that knowledge and know Jesus died for you. Or maybe you need a little help understanding it. I don't know, but here's what I want to do. And the pianist plays, if you're willing to, I want you to come down to the front and let us at least talk to you about it. Let us at least take a Bible and maybe answer any questions you have so that you can go from just knowledge to an appreciation and an application of that knowledge this morning.